Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 360. Good news, guys. We resolved the static issue. Bad news is there's still two episodes left with static in them. I apologize. Just pretend we're eating Rice Krispies. Uh, that should make it easier. But a special shout out to Xavier and Tony from Shoebox. Great dudes. They donated the the money I needed to replace the, the mixer. So wouldn't be resolved without them. Special thank you to, again, Tony and Xavier. You'll hear from them in the near future. They're coming on the show. All right. Here it is. Expecting the unexpected. I know it sounds cliche, but I come in and I'm I'm ready for it, man. Hit me with what you got. You know, you got you got everybody's got their own personal life going on. You got cooks and servers uh, that need your help in their personal life and professional life. You got, you know, yourself with all the exciting stuff you got going on in your family. And then you got to go out day in and day out and produce high quality food, man, that people enjoy. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge. Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, guys, what if I told you I found a menu that's made from paper that's waterproof and rip-proof? This thing is basically dirty-proof. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, get me some of that. Uh, I hate cleaning menus, but... You can have this menu. It's called Terra Slate Menus, guys. You'll get 15% off if you use promotional code UNSTOPPABLE at checkout. So what are you waiting for? Head over to TerraSlatePaper.com. Hey, guys. Would you like to know the exact marketing strategy a restaurant owner used to generate over $36,000 in sales from just $400 in Facebook ads? Would you like to know how a bar owner doubled her Tuesday night business in just four weeks for just $50 a week? Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy of the industry's number one selling marketing and promotion book, Bar and Restaurant. Success. This book reveals the step-by-step marketing plan that created these results so you can apply them in your own business. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Brooks Tanner, Chef Brooks Tanner. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? It's my day off, but I, I'm feeling unstoppable, man. I got the, yes. the honey-do list about a mile long, and I'm ready to go. All right. I can't wait. And a special shout-out to my boy Moses Sabina for calling out <laughs> Chef Brooks Tanner. Uh, the dog saying hi, too. Another shout-out there. <laughs> so Chef Brooks Tanner is at uh, a... a studied at Cornell University, and he's known for his underlining team-building abilities and fiscal awareness. Chef Brooks Tanner's passion is building concrete infrastructures to support high-quality services and educate those on how to waste less, be sustainable, eat well, and all while financially building for their future. Uh, today, Chef Tanner is, serves as executive chef at Rock Hill located in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So I can't wait to get your story, Chef, but let's get that motivational 
inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? Yeah, my mantra, man, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, you just said a lot there in a couple sentences, but I'm all about I'm all about building relationships. That's what it's all about for me, man. The people, the networking, the team. And, uh, you know, food is a byproduct of that. It's a way for us to learn and come together and, and kind of be an unstoppable force as a team. You know what I mean? So, so I, I, give a, I give a big shout out to my team, man, and everybody that's mentored me and everybody that I've worked with. It's all about them. You know, I, uh, I'm just kind of one spoke in the wheel, so to speak. So. Awesome. I, I can't wait to learn more about what you know and how to build a team and where it all starts in that regard. Uh, but let's kind of find out more about you, how you got into the industry and what really drives you and kind of what got you to where you are today. So uh, let me start by asking, uh, where did it all start from you? It all started uh, probably similar to, to many people's stories. I was uh, 16 and my, my old man said, hey, man, you want to buy a car? You got to get a job, dude. you know, so... I said, well, shit, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I'm good at a lot of things. And uh, I had a couple buddies say, hey, come work in the restaurant, man. We'd love to have you, you know? So uh, I started started cutting vegetables and washing dishes, man. And the rest is history, you know? Nice. So what was it about this industry that made you stick with it? What what really drew you to it in how, you know, what keeps you coming, showing up every day to this point? Uh, it's the it's the lack of structure, man. Uh, to be quite honest, it's uh, it's going in and not knowing not knowing what the hell is going on. You know, you have this uh, you have this ideal like, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z when I get to work, or you know, I have to call so and so and set this up. But in our industry, the ball's always rolling, the momentum always shifting, and uh, so I love I love expecting the unexpected. I know it sounds cliche, but I come in and I'm. I'm ready for it, man. Hit me with what you got. You know, you got, you got, everybody's got their own personal life going on. You got cooks and servers uh, that need your help in their personal life and professional life. You got, you know, yourself with all the exciting stuff you got going on in your family. And then you got to go out day in and day out and produce high quality food, man, that people enjoy, you know? So awesome. I love it. And, uh, there will never be two days exactly the same in this industry. And I think that's what I'm getting from you is that that crazy, like you never know what's coming down the barrel and it's exciting. And I love the emphasis you put on the ability to be there for young people, not just, or not just necessarily young people, but being for that, being there for them professionally and uh, personally, uh, you really are a mentor in this industry. You really have to be a friend and like the, the emphasis you put on, uh, just it's all about your people it's all about those relationships and how well you treat other people and uh, it's it can be so powerful it's it's super um, powerful um what i what i've learned though and what i've what i've tried to master in my own mind over the last few years especially is is uh finding that finding that line of motivation where you're as friendly as you can be with your staff and your cooks and some of the relationships you build no doubt you'll have for the rest of your life um but also being being a professional you know, and uh, keeping these guys motivated on the prize, which is which is serving stellar food and, and great service and great ambiance and and understanding instead of just pay being there for your buddies and you know giving them money or giving them rides or helping them, it's it's really letting them be successful in their profession and watching that carry over into their personal life. So you know, when I was young, I used to do everything I could for people, and I used to sacrifice a lot of my own family values for these people. Um, 
which is great. And then I realized some people kind of took advantage of that, you know. So now it's kind of finding that middle ground and, and still helping and motivating and being there and being a mentor and a fatherly figure and all of those things, but really directing all of their personal stress into their profession. So when they leave work, they have this sense of like accomplishment say, hey, man, I rocked it out tonight. We as a team, we kicked some major butt tonight. This, the guests were happy. And then watching them leave with this culture and attitude of success mm. and then watching them kind of build on that in their own personal lives. Um, it's great. Okay. It's kind of indirect mentoring if you. Yeah. You know, if you so, so where did you learn uh, about how to, to do this, how to uh, be a mentor, how to what the power of just caring for your people. Like who taught you that? Where, where I, did this happen in your path of getting to where you are now? I had great mentors, man. Um, yeah. and, and mentors come in many different shapes and sizes. I had dishwashers that I learned from. I had, uh, you know, executive chefs that I was working under general managers, food and beverage directors, just kind of being a sponge absorbing, you know, what worked for them, what didn't, not so much being involved actively in conversations, but sitting back and, and observing, you know, and, and watching how they handled service and just kind of building your own mantra, so to speak, on, on how I'm going to retain this information and kind of regurgitate. You come up with your own style eventually. Luckily, my style's my style's good. It makes me feel great. And and I see the results in my staff, which is also also very exciting. You know, I've I've mm. I've I've let people go before that just, that just didn't work. And, uh, and I've got calls from them back, you know, four or five years later to say, Hey man, I want to say thank you. You know, um, it didn't work out with us at the time and, and the team, but, but I learned a lot from you, man. And, and I've carried that onto my next, my next job, my next career, my current career. I actually came back to the restaurant that you fired me from and got, and, and I'm working there again. And, wow. uh, you know, I've, I've, I've just learned a lot from that whole experience. So, so you kind of learn a lot from all the positives and the negatives, you know, mm. I can't wait to learn some of these lessons or that you taught you, the people that worked under you, but I really want to kind of get an idea of how you got to where you are and uh, the lessons you learned along the way. So you, so you started when you're 16 years old, washing dishes, you know, cutting vegetables. Uh, can you remember the time where you said to yourself, this is going to be my career. Like, this is what I'm going to do. This is, this is me. Yeah, when I got to uh, when I got to the hotel school at Cornell University, um, okay, I knew I knew a buddy there, and I kind of I kind of went in there in a different way. I, I actually got a job there first. I got okay. I got an associate's degree at a local community college. Still trying to understand, you know, where where I was going to go, what I was going to do, and um, I was cooking the whole time I was at community college, you know. And then a buddy of mine said, "Hey, man, I, I work at the hotel school at Cornell." You know, you should come, you should come see if you can get a job here. I'm actually leaving. Maybe you can take my spot. You know? oh, cool. so, so I went over there and uh, wasn't even a cooking job. It was in the kitchen, but they wanted me to, uh, you know, basically kind of oversee all the student and student cooks, you know, okay. administratively kind of interviewing them, um, taking care of all their administrative HR stuff, you know, organizing the stock room. And and uh, just kind of getting involved in the administrative side of things. So so I was lucky enough to get that opportunity. I met with a few people and they said, sure, come on board, you know. So I started taking classes at the same time. And then I uh, I just created. Did you, get a, did you have to pay a full price since, since you worked there or did you get a deal on classes? 
No, I, I went to the state. I was actually a agriculture major. I was I was doing natural resources was my major. So okay. So I, you know, I'm big into into nature and and you know that all plays into sustainability. And uh, I grew up in upstate New York, so I'm from the area. So I got a discount for being a resident. You know, nice. But, uh, so I started actually in the ag school. So I'm working at the hotel school, going to going to school at the ag school, and. Um, so I just created my niche, man. I started working nights, mornings, every every time I could in between school because it was it was exciting. I was I was learning from like Chef Morimoto came in there, you know, and, and did some did some stuff for a week. And uh, the students were were just off the charts, amazing. Uh, then I was working with other professionals like Moses, man. So I was like, I was getting it from every angle: the students, the chefs that were coming in there, the executive chefs that were already there. The professors, you know, I met like John George, he came in there and I, I listened to him talk and I worked side by side with these guys. So, so then I went to the chef and I said, Hey man, I want more, you know, this isn't, uh, this isn't fulfilling me as much as I thought, you know, the kids are great, but like, let me get involved. I got so much to offer, you know? So he yeah. said, all right. He said, why don't you try uh, purchasing some food, you know? And this is a pretty big operation. man. It's got yeah. three restaurants. Um, a banquet facility. We were doing like a bunch of weddings, high-end business meetings. Um, and these these restaurants were doing anywhere from like 100 people a night to like 2,000 people a day, you know, all different kinds of styles of restaurants. And uh, so I started ordering food, man. And uh, that was that was a crazy experience in itself. A lot, you know, we had coolers dedicated to dairy, coolers dedicated to meat. You know, I, the dry storage was bigger than the kitchen I work in right now, you know, for that, for that <laughs> operation. So, uh, so it was cool, that man. I just started carving it out, started ordering food. Then, then, uh, the chef was like, Hey man, why don't you, uh, why don't you expedite in the restaurant at night? Why don't you, uh, top vegetables, you know? And then finally the chef was like, Hey man, in fact, just, just be here, you know, be here when I need you here. I'm actually going to call you the, uh, special assistant to the chef. We're going to create a new title. I don't know. It never existed before. Basically, just just be around, man. You're you're an asset, you know. So he empowered me. He empowered me to like to like go and get it done. Be a go getter, you know. Nice. And, uh, so I, so what were the biggest lessons you learned from this guy, this mentor? What, what what did you if you could like narrow it down to a couple things? To a couple things I learned from him is uh, you know get involved. You know what I mean. Um, a lot of people hold themselves back because they ask themselves you know all these different questions and. And there's a lot of mental thought process going through before it. And I just kind of put all that aside. I, I jumped in, man. What I didn't know, I, 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 I asked, you know, I asked questions. People took the time to teach me. Um, albeit, it was, you know, some of it was very brief. This is how you small dice. This is the difference between a brunoise and a dice. This is a julienne. Like, I, I can spend five minutes in between, you know, the plates I'm cooking to show you that. But then you got to master that yourself, man. You know, I'm going to teach you a couple skills and like go with it. So he teach me to never stop growing, you know, mm. keep pushing yourself, keep learning more, you know, so powerful. Yeah, it's so crucial. And I love this idea of just getting involved. It reminds me, oh, man, I think it was Mary Lindman, I believe was the full name. She was a guest I was recently on from uh, Coffee by Design and she said something that really stuck with me and it kind of is, it's similar to what you're saying now. And she was talking about the change she wanted to see in her community. And, and you always hear people say, you know, somebody needs to do something about this. They need to do something about this. But if you really want to create change, if you really want to 
make something happen, you have to create the change. You have to get involved. Like they is we. Like we need to do something about this. No, uh, and, uh, you know this might this might sound. Um, you know, I do a lot of homework. Don't get me wrong. I do a lot of yeah. research, you know, before I dive into things. But sometimes you just got to dive in, man. You know, sometimes you got to not know what, what the hell is going on. And, so what's that conversation look like inside your head? Or how does it sound scary, inside man. your head? You know? Yeah, because like, it's tough like you to, to get that motivation to to pull the trigger and actually do something and to to get comfortable living uncomfortably yeah. uh, to learn new things. Like how, what, what's that conversation in your head look like? How do you talk yourself into that? How do you psych yourself up to, to get involved? Well, that's a great question. I, I finally just, you know, uh, the first part of my career was a lot of hesitant, you know, I was hesitant to make a mistake. I was, I was, I was hesitant to ask the wrong question. And then I real I just realized I wasn't growing as a person and the people around me were, were kind of, it's a very competitive industry. You know what I mean? So people. Wait, when was this? When, when did you experience or th- this thought that you weren't growing professionally? When did that come? It was very brief. It wasn't that I wasn't growing professionally. It's basically when I started creating my own niche, like when I was purchasing food at, at Cornell with, okay. all, with all these people around me that were, you know, huge real estate developers, people that mm. own hotels, um, you know, like daughter, ch- children of like, you know, NASCAR racers and, and, uh, you know, just, just all these professors that have done so much, all these chefs, you know, Chef Morimoto, uh, and even the executive chefs at the, at the hotel school. It's like, how did they get to where they were? You know what I mean? Not, you know, I, I'm not the dumbest person on the planet. So, like, I feel like I, I, have, I have the drive to be successful like these people, whatever that is, opening up my own restaurant or being an executive chef or wherever that journey takes me. Like, I want to be one of those people. I don't want to be somebody sitting on the sidelines. So I finally said, like, do it, man. Shit or get off the pot. You know, sorry sorry to swear, but you're either, right. either going to... I've said, I've said worse on this you're show. Either gonna, <laughs> you're either going to thrive in this industry, which yeah. is one of the most competitive industries there is, and you're probably crazy being involved in it, or you're going to go find something else to do. You're going to go work in nine to five or, you know, find another career path, which is, which is great too, you know, but... I uh, I was addicted to the to the to the energy level, to the passion, and to the the controlled chaos, if you will, of this industry. And I wasn't finished yet, so so I jumped. Man. I jumped on the train. Let's dive in. You know what I mean? I love it, dude. There's some key things to take away from this part of your life. First is just the power of surrounding yourself with other successful people. People. I mean, you can just like how you explained it when you surround yourself with successful people you have an an, uh, an urge to be like them you don't want to be the low man on the totem pole you don't want to be the the least accomplished person in a room like so you're naturally going to come up to the level of these other people you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with so if you want to improve if you want to get ahead go surround yourself with incredible people because they will teach you what they know they will bring you up they will lift you to their level give you the knowledge you need the skills you need to be successful uh and to thrive and to you know want to get to that next level they will inspire you to get to that next level so oh you said something that was kind of cool you either thrive or you know you don't so what do you think the 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 difference is between those who thrive and those who don't in this industry well um a lot of it is is personal sacrifice man you know if you want to thrive in this industry you got to prioritize um you got to have a support group it's like uh you have to have a bigger support group, I think, in this industry than, than anywhere else. You know, your family, your your mentors, your your professional colleagues, um, 
you need that support because there's going to be times that you ask yourself that question. Why am I in this industry? I'm working 89, 90 hours a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't see, I'm having a hard time starting my family. Um, my house is a mess, you know, blah, blah, blah. All those things you experience when you're, when you're kind of younger. Um, how do I manage all that stuff? Is, is this right for me? Should I, should I be doing something that might give me the time to spend with my family? You know, so um, my support group was amazing, you know, and, and they watched me fail. I mean, a big part of this is, is failure, you know, in our industry, if you don't fail, you're, you're not growing, you know, um, if you keep kind of doing the same old stuff every day, the, the next restaurant, the next hotel is going to pass you by. So you have to be willing to try stuff and you have to be willing to have people look at you like, man, you're crazy. Why are you even trying that? That's been tried 75,000 times before you, you know, and, and you got to be willing to keep to kind of take what these people say, you know, with a grain of salt and, 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 and also, also, you know, see the truthfulness in it, you know, they might be right, but also don't be afraid to keep trying and doing these things, man, you know? So, so my family was great. They said, do it. They said, they also told me you're crazy, but if you love what you do, mm. um, do it, you know, and we wish you the best of luck. We'll, we'll be there for you. My, my wife is great. And, and my friends were great. You know, they, uh, there was a lot of times where I said, "Hey, man, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go to so and so barbecue or this outing because, you know, I need to rest, dude. You know, I'm tired." And uh, they were very supportive. They didn't give me any, any kind of crap, you know. But they also kept me driven. They're like, "Hey, man, yeah. you need to come in early, come in late, and and once in a while, you need to go to that barbecue, even when you are tired, just because yeah. you need like you need some exposure other than like working in a kitchen." Absolutely. So dive deeper into the support group. Um, I think that's something that we don't discuss enough on the show. So what does your support group look like? What, how do you, how do you create the support group? What did you do? Or is it just something that comes from being a good person that it naturally is, you know, forms around you, but like, what do you think is key? I mean, the original question is how do you thrive? And you said, you know, personal sacrifice and having that support group. Yeah. So my uh, support group uh, it gr- is still growing, man. I, uh, I started taking, taking a more of a conscious effort at first in, in my twenties, was just like your friends and your colleagues that, that produce great food with you. And like that you have a natural, uh, you know, you have a natural, energy level between each other you know you have the right conversations you get along with someone you know who's on your level but more so in the last 10 years it's kind of been reaching out to people staying and this day it takes a lot of uh follow-up man with, with people you know and like when you find a farmer that's that's a great farmer that you really like their product there's a there's a there's a method on how they got to their final product you know their product's great because x y and z so like let's Let's figure out how they made that great product, you know, whether it's family pride or, you know, they got taught by the right mentors or went to the right school. So, like, have a beer with that person. Call them on your day off, even when you're tired. Go visit the farm, you know, talk with them. Take them some gifts of, of, of whatever. Open up your – open yourself up to these people and let them get a peek inside your family, you know. And uh, kind of goes back to what we started talking about like the first five minutes of this of this uh, talk is like personal relationships. It's all about personal relationships. So my support group is it's tripled, quadrupled. It keeps growing every day. New farmers I meet in New Jersey. I'm new to the, the Philadelphia, New Jersey area. I've only lived here for less than a year. So, you know, my friends in Virginia are helping me a lot. 
and uh, and uh, but I'm but I'm getting a new support group here, so it's got to be that support group's got to always be growing and changing. I'm kind of take it to the next level. So the kind of like to break down what I'm hearing uh, to to build that support group, you need that support group. You need these people who are going to lift you up, who are going to keep you connected with why you got into the industry and. In the first place, we're going to tell you to take a break because they can see that you need a break to go to that barbecue, to have a few beers, to relax. Uh, and the best way to do that, the best way to get others to take an interest in you is to open up to them and take an interest in them. Yeah, exactly. That- exactly. Take an interest in them. And, but don't be, tra- don't be, uh, you know, don't just do it because, you know, you, oh, hey, man, I need a support group. Do it because you generally care, man. I, I, mm. I genuinely care about you know, these people, these farmers, my, my co-workers, because once you dive in, um, you start to find like all this cool stuff that's interesting and that you want to become friends with these guys, you know, and the ones that you don't, that's okay too. You can keep a professional relationship with, but you can still have great conversations with these guys. So like your support group is is kind of like you said, you know, you're the middle of five people, right? You think, or, or whatever your formula is. Yeah. Your support group is the same way. You got, you have like, ones that you're super close with and you have other ones that you just keep a professional relationship with, but you can't be afraid to ask the hard questions. Hey man, you know, why are the blueberries shitty right now? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what's going on? And I'm yeah. like, Oh man, Hey, you know, my, my so-and-so broke down and you know, my wife just, my daughter just had a baby and blah, blah, blah. And you, you understand like these personal relationships and you, you understand why, why things the way they are. It's not just black and white. Like, all right, black, the blackberries aren't that great. I'm not going to buy them. It's not really about that. It's about understanding why, understanding how you can help them. You know what I mean? And uh, just developing these relationships that will, that will grow you personally and professionally, you know? So I had a blueberry farmer. I, I, and a lot of it is cold calling, man. As weird as it sounds, this guy came into my restaurant, one of our customers, and he said, Hey man, you're in New Jersey now, you know, I know you're from Virginia and you got this farm to table thing. And, and uh, I know this blueberry farmer, give him a call. Right. And he kind of gave me this guy's name. Hey, his name's Sal. Call this number. So I call him. I said, Hey man, I'm a, I'm a chef, you know, from Virginia. I hear you're the guy with the blueberries. And he says, Oh man. He's like on his John Deere. As we were talking, I could barely hear him. <laughs> you know, he's like 80 years old. He's like, I got the best blueberries ever, but I don't sell the restaurants. I said, that's all right, man. You know, I, uh, I'm i a restaurant. But more so than that, I just want to come see these blueberries, dude. You know, yeah. and, like, and, like, get involved. And, uh, and I, said, I said, he said, I'll tell you what. I can't sell it to your restaurant. Um, but if you come to my farm, hang out with me, I'll fill your trunk with blueberries. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> so I, said, <laughs> I said, I'm on my way, you know, and, and. This is a cool experience. I might not talk to that guy again. I might. His number's in my cell phone. He knows who I am. I got a I got a bunch of New Jersey blueberries, which is really cool. You know, they're great. And uh, but but we have that connection for that afternoon. And and now I have one more piece to my support group. If I ever have a question about blueberries or just farming in New Jersey or or whatever the case may be, I know that guy has a not, lot of knowledge on the on that subject. Yeah, and I won't be afraid to call him. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know it, it, the power of just taking genuinely. I think that's the important part of this conversation. Uh, it has to be real. It has to be genuine. Yeah. Uh, the power of genuinely taking an interest in other per- people can do so much. Uh, 
in helping them take an interest in you. If you want people to be interested in you and join your support group, like you need to take an interest in them genuinely. And it's amazing what that can do. And I think Dale Carnegie talks a lot about this in his book, how to win friends and influence people. If you want to learn more about that power of really just getting people to want to be in your support group, it's, you know, you can learn a lot from that book on just how to, get people interested in you by being interested in them. But again, it has to be genuine. It, has, it can't just, it can't, it can't be, be in, yeah, it people can't, will smell if it's fake. Yeah, exactly. And it can't be, you know, sometimes it's just a conversation sitting next mm. to someone. Hey man, I see you feel, you feel down. You're all right. And, and mm. this is what I preach, you know, kind of going back to the professional side of things. This is what I preach to my front of house staff, my back of house staff all day long is, is, having the customers back, right? And there's mm. internal customers and external customers. So the internal customers are all of our, all of our cooks and, 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 and HR people and, and, you know, everybody it takes to make a restaurant, run a restaurant or a hotel. And then these external customers are, are the people that come into your restaurant every day, right? To have lunch or, or what have you. So just developing a relationship with these guys and say, look, man, I, I have your back, you know, like, if a restaurant makes a mistake or even if they have exceptional service, like, you know, whatever, whatever happens during your experience with us, I I got your back. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I can to give you the best product for the best price. I'm going to do whatever I can to give you the best service. And, 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 you know, in doing that, um, you know, sometimes you achieve that. Sometimes you don't, but with the guests leaving saying, you know what? That dude had my back. You know, Brooks is a Brooks is a great person. You know, <laughs> he just he, he you know, it, it, it really is an art, man. Um, because you don't want to be too, you know, they're just having lunch, so you don't want to be too in their face with things. But mm-hmm. just checking on them and, and smiling and your posture and and uh, you know, just kind of reassuring them that when they come in, they're going to have a great experience and. Uh, they're going to have the experience that they want that's tailored to their needs. Some people just want to come in and eat their sandwich and be left alone. Some people want to come in and chat you up, you know, and some people, some people just are, are just grabbing some stuff to go, even though you don't, that dish isn't necessarily made to travel. You know, you still, <laughs> you still, they still want it to go. So you do it to go. Um, and just understanding, you know, that, hey, man, like, like everybody's different. Develop a little rapport with people and uh, you'll see them come back, you know. And, and as small as that rapport is, just as long as it's there, man, it's super important. So what I'm, what I'm going to be calling this is the Brooks style. Because you said, you know, you said you have a certain style. And so far, you know, the, the, the Brooks style, the Thrive, uh, the first thing we have is that personal sacrifice. Uh, so getting that support group, uh, having curiosity and other people taking an interest in other people in letting people know that you have their back. What else do we need to add to this list of uh, the Brooks style, the ways to, the, you know, the, the Brooks way to, to thrive the style. Oh, what can is, you drop on? Right uh, you know, I've never uh, <laughs> consciously like gave, gave a bullet points like this. So my style is still growing, but you know, for, for me, it's, for me, it's building a culture. You know, I've gone, I've gone into so many places and uh, I've worked in a lot of different places and, and man, it's a, it's a roller coaster. You know, it's uh you have your ups, you have your downs, you know, sometimes um, tragedy happens, sometimes success happens. And so the first thing I do is like, 
is try to understand what, what everybody's, what's going on with everybody. You know, why so-and-so might be sad and why, why so-and-so is super happy and why certain things aren't getting done. And then try to create this culture through, through one, setting the standard. So, you know, I'm always in there smiling, happy as much as I can be. I'm a person too, you know? So, um, also knowing when to be serious, when to play the chef card and say, Hey man, you know, I'm the chef. This is how it's going to go, you know, kind of, kind of steering people in the right direction. And then, and two is like trying to try and just, just to breed that culture. So, so, so my current venture, we've done an awesome job in breeding this culture over the last year. So, um, you know, and, and the, and the owner has been great in working with me and, and helping me be very supportive. So he's, he's one of my support groups, you know, uh, support guys, but Basically, it's like, why? what's working well, what's not? And let's attack them. And, and one thing we noticed is, you know, people are kind of just coming in going through the motions, you know what I mean? And, and uh, they're happy and such, but no one's really striving to, to like, you know, push themselves into that scary zone we talked about. You know? so, yeah. So I started to empower people, man, you know. And, and, and in a way, that, that goes a bunch of different ways. I, you know, promote some people, let go of some other people. And, and a big part of this is the interview process, man. I can't stress that enough. In our industry, you cannot fall into the warm body syndrome where you kind of just hire people, you know, because you're short a baker. I need a baker. Mm. Oh, you worked in a bakery? Cool, you're hired. No, it's not. That's not how it works, you know. The, the interview process has got to be a huge discussion. It's got to be, you know, there's got to be uh, these people got to meld with the current team that you have or else, you know, you're in big trouble. You can't hire Gordon Ramsay to come into your restaurant. And um, as long, you know, it's great that he has the skills, but if he doesn't get along with the good and the bad of your restaurant, what's going on there, then it's never going to continue to grow. It's going to become, a, probably become a problem before it gets better. So how do you set that standard? What I'm hearing is you need to set a standard for hiring. And that's part of the culture uh, of identifying who you are and what your standard is. But are there any steps we should take to make sure that we are, continuing to hold ourselves to that standard yeah, and how do we do course, that of course man um you know it's tough it's tough dude at least for me so so the first thing i did is i i set checklists you know i gave each um uh, i didn't give any of my cooks checklists oddly enough it started for me with like like cleanliness wait so is this a checklist for you like a, no, a hiring is, checklist like okay this is i started very simple like I, I was coming in and like the employee bathroom's always filthy. So it's like, who, who the hell is supposed to clean this bathroom? <laughs> you know, like, so like, boom, you know, no one knows. So it's a dishwasher's responsibility now, you know, and it always happens like that, but giving people these responsibilities. Okay. This is your responsibility. And then I got the dishwasher being like, Oh, you know, whatever. I got everybody telling me what to do. I got 70,000 things, which a dishwasher is probably the most important person in any, any restaurant. But, mm-hmm. um, Beyond that, you know, he's a little overwhelmed or she. So I said, all right, man, let's do this together. You know what I mean? Here's a checklist. I'm going to help you for the first week. I'll come in and help. I'll clean the bathroom. You know what I mean? Relax, dude. This man. Is, relax. All right, bro. I'm not trying to, you know, stress you out. <laughs> but, like, this stuff's got to get done. So so you, I, the executive chef, cl- was you were cleaning the bathroom. Right, so I cleaned for the bathroom. For how long? Like two days. You know, but I did a damn good job cleaning the bathroom, right? <laughs> uh, but then I said, you know, all right, now one of my cooks is going to clean the bathroom. You know what I mean? And I kind of rotated through. 
like everybody. And the cooks gave me a bunch of crap. Like, what do you mean? I'm trying to get my mise en place. No, I got to clean the bathroom and blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, just, you, you know, first it was a little abrasive. Um, but then my cooks just started cleaning the bathroom. And then, like, I, I saw one cook talking to the sous chef. And then he's like, you know what, man? I'll clean the bathroom. You know, so then the sous chef's cleaning the bathroom. And then finally, after about a week, the dishwasher, like, felt bad that everybody's cleaning the bathroom. So they just clean it now. And it's, like, part of their routine. Basically, it's like embedding these things into people's routine, you know, and then all of a sudden now it's routine. Now the bathroom's always clean. Now we move on to the next, the next problem. So, so a lot of people walk into restaurants and they're like overwhelmed. Wow, I got all this crap I got to do. Like sales are down, bathroom's dirty, the guest at table thirty two is mad. It's like very overwhelming. You know what I mean? So, all right, let's start. Let's 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 prioritize and start with baby steps. You know, the guest at thirty two. Let's handle that, right? Boom, let's 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 clean the bathroom next. Let's, you know, and then and then let's set some long term goals for sales. How are we gonna do that? You know, let's talk about marketing. Let's let's talk to people, you know, let's let's call our support group and and say, Hey man, you know, you know, what do I do? And basically it's like I'm having problems with this. So so there goes back to the support group, man. The support group is huge. Because yeah. because it takes an it takes a an army it takes a village to, to be successful in our industry. Yeah, so man. you gotta have the cojones to, to reach out to people and say, "Hey, man, I I tried this a couple times and I failed." You know, so how or or I don't know if failure is the best word, but it's like it's like how can I do it better? You know what I mean? And and like and and then I say to you, dude, I'm a farmer. I don't work in the restaurant industry, <laughs> but it's like. But it's like, give me some ideas on how you were successful. Because it's a bit, what it comes down to, it's a business. Mm. It's customer service, right? So, so he might have a farm or this person might be, you know, create menus or this person might, might, you know, be the person that built all your chairs and tables in your restaurant. But like absorb this information from these guys because you, you hired them and you're working with them for a certain reason. Yeah. because you like them right and and they give you a great product so so like try to get whatever you can from them and apply that to your business whether it's a restaurant whether you own an art gallery whatever you know and uh because restaurants now especially today they're not so cut and dry it's not your white tablecloth restaurant anymore all over the place you know it's uh it's a, you know, it's a fast casual place. It's a, sometimes it's just a, a truck, a food truck. Sometimes it's a, you know, the whole shebang. Sometimes it's tapas, you know, and, uh, and restaurants are different nowadays, man. They're, they're totally different. So, so get- Brooks dropping bombs of knowledge <laughs> right now, man. I, my paper is full. I'm like writing like a madman. Yeah. Uh, you're giving us some great stuff and I want to extract a couple things. Um, you know, just the emphasis you put on culture and how to build that culture. Uh, I mean, the big thing I took away from how to build that culture is you can't expect anybody to go do something unless you go do it first. And, you can't expect anybody to care about you unless you care for them first. And the, the example you use with the bathroom, I had this conversation with uh, two other folks. Uh, I won't say their names, but two other, uh, let's say, uh, personalities, restaurant person, you know, personalities. And we had this conversation about how to lead. I'm like, the best way you can lead is by cleaning the bathroom. Yeah, totally, because it's and- it's the lowest job on the totem pole, and nobody can give you shit if no. you're the executive chef. And you're in there on your, maybe not on your hands and knees. That's not sanitary, but you're in there, you know, scrubbing around the toilet. Uh, and if you do it 
if you did it damn well, spotless, everything is sparkling, and now that's the standard. And you also put emphasis on the, the power of assigning duties. I mean, read the E-Myth. One of the first things he says in that book, Michael Gerber, is write out all the titles, all the, all the names, all the titles, and then write down responsibilities under each one of those titles. That way, everything is accounted for. Everybody knows who, what their job is and what their responsibilities are. Write it all out. Get that. Not necessarily a hierarchy. Those aren't necessarily the, the best models today, but uh, write down all the titles and who's responsible for what, and then give them a checklist to make sure everything is getting done. Uh, check this checklist manifesto. Awesome book on the power of checklists. Yeah, it's great. I read, um, that. I read that book, but it, you know, yeah. it, it becomes an art and I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's like, no, it's, uh, that's, that's, this is your time, man. You can tell me to shut up any day. Yeah, I know. I got like, <laughs> I got like 10 minutes. I'm looking at the clock. But no, it's, I can talk for hours. But a lot of it is like, you know, is, is I kind of gave, gave my staff the ability to like, you know, at first when I started there, my cooks, you know, and I inherited some cooks, obviously. Like they didn't, they're like, who the hell is this guy from Virginia? He doesn't know New Jersey. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, we're going to show him and blah, blah, blah. And then like, you know, obviously there's some skill involved. You got to show these guys you can cook and and, uh, you know, create dishes that they've never seen before and help them grow, right? Because the ultimate thing is, you know, they want to be successful, right? So mm. they, they can make a good living for their family. But it's like empower them to say, you know, when I started there, each cook was like had their mise en place, had their station. This is what I do. This is what I'm good at. You know, the, the chefs are like, you know, I'm garmage. That's what I do. And I'm like, oh, you're Garmage. That's great, man. You know, so like, you know, what else do you do? Like, oh, I'm Garmage. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's great, dude. You know, I'm glad. But like, like, you know, do you help out the saute station? Do they help you? Like, what happens when we get in the weeds? You know what I mean? What happens when the restaurant's full and there's and there's a line, there's a waiting, there's a line out the door, you know, and there's people waiting. It's like, who helps who? Right. And and the chefs all the cooks all kind of looked at me like like I'm garmage, you know? <laughs> not getting through. <laughs> so, so, so I'm like, all right. So I just kind of, you know, I didn't, some of it isn't verbal. You know what I mean? Some of yeah. it you can't say. Well, garmage, you're you're gonna help the the fryer guy when it gets busy because they'll be like, mm-hmm. oh man, what the? It's not on my list. You know, it's yeah. not on my it's not my stand. You know, it's not on my checklist or whatever. So then. You know, when you're expediting and getting things involved, you say, hey, man, you know, you got to kind of direct. And that's where become a leader kind of helps out. You either jump in. There's been times where I've jumped on the line and I've grabbed my sous chef and I said, hey, you're going to expo for a few minutes. And he kind of looked at me like, oh, oh, crap. You know, because <laughs> like, he, yeah. he doesn't expo very often. But like, yeah. I want to jump in and show these guys um, what's going on, like how to execute it a little better, or how to how to work in the weeds, so to speak, and how to how to like be successful and not be scared of, of being busy. Cause ultimately you want the restaurant to be as busy as it can be. Right. Because Absolutely. You, you need those sales. So like, it's kind of like embracing the, uh, embracing the craziness and like, just like you want it to be busy. So be ready. There's going to be times you run out of ingredients. There's going to be time, you know, expect the unexpected and be unstoppable. Right. Yes. So like, <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. But like, so I jump in and help out and then I lead, oh. I lead by example. Right. And, yeah. then, and then I jump back and, and, and kind of get back on the expo station. And then when the next time that arises, I say, all right, Mr. Garmache, you need to jump on that fryer. And they look at me like, I've never fried anything in my life, you know, or, or whatever. I don't, know how to, like, <laughs> I don't know how to do tempura fried shrimp, you know. And then, yeah. and then they jump in and the cooks start helping each other because it becomes that you, you now went from, the, from one of my best cooks at Garmache 
to jumping on the fryer, bailing out the fryer guy and becoming one of my worst cooks because you don't know what the hell's going on, right? So, so watching the other team embrace that guy and lifting him up and telling him step-by-step step what's going on as they're plating their dishes is awesome, man. It's an awesome feeling. And it's, uh, makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. You know what I mean? To watch that, awesome. watch that team kind of develop. And then they, then my job's kind of done, man. They start developing themselves. You know? Man, this is great. It's a couple things. Like I love that you said it. You know, the whole idea that it takes an army and our you can boil it down to our role. If you want to be a leader, if you want to be successful in life, your responsibility is to help other people grow. Uh, if you help other people grow and you surround yourself with people who are constantly being brought up to your level, it's only going to make you stronger. It's only going to make your restaurant better when you give them those values, those core values. That it's not about you in your individual roles about all of us and helping each other out. And we are a unit. We are an army together and it's your job to build that culture and to enable these people to give them those values. So they, they all get it in your, your team, your, your army. I love it, man. Uh, we got to wrap this section of the interview up and go to the speed round. If you got to get going in 10 minutes, probably more like five minutes now. No, I got, uh, I got one more thing I'd like to say, please, please, please. You know, it's, it's actually twofold. One, and I'll, I'll be brief. This process doesn't happen overnight. And this mm. is this is an evolution, you know what I mean. So 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 be in it to win it. You know, understand that it's going to take a little time. I can't give you a time frame. It might be a month, might be a year, whatever. Um, but 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 don't ever stop. Number two, like keep your standards. You know, you said write the checklist, or I said write the checklist for your staff, but also follow up on those. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Every day, kind of do a walk around. Make sure make sure it's getting done. Don't be afraid to assign tasks to people that don't normally do that task. You know, that's how you get other people involved. And, and then lastly, I got a success story that kind of kind of um, brings all this together. I had a dishwasher at a previous restaurant, part-time dishwasher, worked there for like five years as a part-time dishwasher. I finally said, man, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? She said, I don't know, man. I'm just going to be a dishwasher. I enjoy it, whatever. And I said, you know what? You're going to bake bread because we because we made like 10,000 rolls a day or whatever, and we did it all by hand, and the bread baker was like, kind of going crazy need more people to help out he said i don't want to bake bread you know blah, blah, blah. i said give it a shot man just try it one day if you don't like it I'll, I'll leave you alone so he did it he got his ass kicked for like 15 hours baking bread the guy is still at that restaurant like three years later making bread he's their head baker called me the other day like crying telling me thank you so much oh you my taught God. me like you taught me how to feed my family bread yeah, and like that's you know, what I it's went, all about i went from a dishwasher to now making bread and like and now he's like a true culinary artist man watching him watching him roll all this bread by hand it's, it's oh like, man it's hilarious it's beautiful. That made me feel so good dude you know what I mean? it's beautiful man it, and i'm that's an incredible story and uh, you know you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable yeah. you'll never grow if you stay in that world of comfort Growth happens when you push people and your job as a leader is to put them in that, get them in that world of uncomfort because they're only going to benefit from it. And when people start growing and they're on your team, you're only going to benefit from it. Uh, beautiful stuff. And uh, man, this has been a great interview up to this point, but we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. Sure. We'll be right back. We've all been there. I'm sure you have been uh, just going through that stack of menus every night, pulling out the nasty soiled expensive pieces of paper, putting them aside, throwing them away. God, it's so frustrating. This is a line item that just gets the best of us. It destroys our budget and people are so freaking dirty. It's like, ah, 
Anyway, what if I told you that I discovered a piece of paper that's rip-proof and waterproof, 100% rip-proof and waterproof. This stuff is so durable, it's what the military uses to print their navigational maps and charts on. Like They trust this stuff, and now they're printing menus on it. Head over to TerraSlate.com paper.com to learn more guys i'm telling you this stuff is durable i've seen the owner kyle ewing throw this menu through a dishwasher to prove its durability again terra slate paper.com that's t-e-r-r-a-s-l-a-t-e paper.com and if you use promotional code unstoppable you will save 15 percent on your first order get after it Yo, guys, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely a restaurant or bar owner who wants to be a better leader, who wants to make more money, who wants to be more successful, who wants to work smarter, not harder, and you just want to be great, which means you know you can never stop educating yourself. If that sounds like you and you want to learn how to attract more new customers and get a competitive edge over your competition, sounds pretty good, right? Then you need to listen to this message. You got to listen. Just ready for it? Here it is. Leading industry expert. Nick Fosberg and past guest of Restaurant Unstoppable wrote what I believe to be the best how-to book on attracting new customers and creating highly profitable promotions on a shoestring budget. And because you're Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, he's going to give you this book not for $30 on Amazon, but you're getting it for free. Yeah, free. Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy. Again, that's freebrsbook.com. Get your free copy while supplies last. So we're back. And the first question I have for you, Brooks, is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic that you think most contributes to your success? Uh, I think it's my work ethic, man, you know, and, and my ability to have a normal conversation with someone. You know, transparent. I think, let, let me change it. Transparency. Transparency. Why is transparency so important? Because, man, people need to know what, what's going well, what's not going well, and they need to know if you, if you give a shit about them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone calls <Absolutely>. out, somebody <laughs> called out sick the other day, and they're like, I was pretty irritated. You know, this is one of my, one of my great, great servers. But uh, you know what? They had a lot of stuff going on, man. So I didn't give them too much flack, and uh, we worked around it. And, uh, it is what it is, man. That's what our industry is all about, the, the unexpectedness of it. So. Awesome. And what is your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness, this is a good one. Um, I'm working on it right now, is, is listening. You know, it, it, it's crazy because I feel like I'm a great listener. Um, but uh, I, need to, I need to become a better listener. I think I, I hear a lot. There's always, you know, people are always, Brooks, chef, Brooks, chef, 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 this, that, this, that. And, like, you know, I hear it all. But, it, but it's taking time to actually, like, listen, because it's not always dinner service on Friday night. You know, sometimes I'm just, like, amped up, and I'm, like, like I give a quick answer instead of, like, really listening and, and kind of thinking about, you know, especially with my wife. <laughs> she's, she's like, we need to do this. And I'm like, oh, we could just X, Y, and Z, and it's done. And it's like, no, you need to, like, take take your time, bro. You know? Just, it reminds me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no she's it's just listening. You know, she's she does a, she does a great job on bringing me back to reality when I come home. She's a doctor, so okay. Um, she like pushes me to. We have great conversations, by the way. She's a psychiatrist, so um, she she pushes me to listen more, you know, and and talk less. Although mm. I'm trying to talk a lot during this interview, but 
Stephen R. Covey's famous words, one of his seven habits of highly effective people. First, seek to understand, then seek to be understood. But you can make so many better decisions if you take the time to fully understand the situation. If you listen to see where people are coming from, you can you can build that rapport like you talk about. It's easier. Um, all right. What is one piece of advice you have for leading others? Uh, one piece of advice I have for leading others is is I'm not, I'm not sure, man. I would say just get involved and, and be flexible. I think being flexible is huge um, because everybody's different. You know, I started early in my career trying to manage like on this is how it is. This is kind of the standards across the board, which you have to have your standards, but you also have to be able to manage everybody different. Everybody is at a different point of their career and you have to be flexible with those people. At the end of the day, we're all humans, right? We're all, you know, we all bring strengths and weaknesses to the table and you have to be flexible and try to really focus on someone's strengths and, and help them build on their weakness. And a lot of that is flexibility. It's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of conversations about life. It's a lot of, you know, change schedule changing and getting other people to cover and just let them, let them live their life. You know, there's a shortage of cooks right now from what everybody tells me across the nation because, oh, yeah. because it's a tough job, man, you know, yeah. and, uh, and there's not a lot of flexibility. Um, I I don't really have any shortage of cooks. I got, I got cooks like waiting to come in, in my, come in my restaurant. I don't think it's because of the food per se. I think it's because of the culture and the, and um, you know, the food's always growing. Um, but it's more about like, you know, being flexible, but being stern and, and trying to develop people. So, Awesome. And what is one thing you look for during the hire, the hiring process? One question you ask, one characteristic you're, you're trying to find, what are you looking for? Flexibility. <laughs> <That's exactly laughs> like I just, uh, I just hired someone the other day. Um, and he's, I put him on a little probationary, like kind of stage, like, Hey, you're going to work for a week and we're going to see how it goes because you know, I, I'm not really sure. And, and, uh, and, you know, I've, I've kind of taken this new mantra on life. Like, I don't really care if you know how to cook, man, if you, if you come and join my restaurant. I, I, to be honest with you, sometimes I hope you, you never cook in your life or maybe just a little bit um, because I could teach you. I could teach you those mm. skills, you know. It's like, are you going to mend with the culture that I have here? And like, are you going to meld with those guys? Are you, you know, are you going to get along with the person that doesn't always have their station set up completely? And the same way you get along with the person that's like scrubbing baseboards after their station is done, you know, there's different, there's different styles. So, you know, are you going to get along with these people? Are you flexible? And do you have a stellar attitude? Like, is your attitude great? And if you have those three things, um, you're going to help, you're going to help this culture grow even more. So the cooking aspect, whatever, I I can teach you that. Not a big deal. Oh man, I'm loving this chef. I really am. You're killing it. Uh, what is a, a current challenge right now that you're dealing with? Right now is uh, staffing, man. I uh, college is about to universities and, and the sessions are about to start back up in September. Um, so a lot of my staff are college students, you know, because they do have this drive. They do have this passion and they do have mm-hmm. a great attitude, you know? So they're all going back to school and some of them are like, starting to flake out like, Oh man, I told you I was leaving next week, you know? And uh, so I'm trying to, to get my winter staff together and it's more front of house and back of house. Um, So I'm going through the interview process and trying to understand who are the right people to hire, you know? And a lot of it is a 
lot of it's a guess. A lot of it's what you feel inside. You know, I don't have a formula mm-hmm. for that. It's like, do I feel it's good? It's a gut instinct. You know? Yep. So. Trust your gut, yeah, man. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what is one thing besides food your restaurant does really well that separates you from other restaurants? Um, being a part of the, the neighborhood. Uh, to be quite honest with you, man, we uh, sometimes we put profits aside and um, – whether that's good or bad, I'm not really sure, but we, we do a lot for local businesses. You know, we, we cater a lot of stuff. We give them great deals. We get involved in like local little leagues and, and we really want to be that BYOB restaurant that you can come into, have, bring a bottle of wine and, uh, you know, bring your kids in after little league practice. They could have some great food and the adults can have some really awesome composed dishes too. And they can kind of be two separate entities. So, Neighborhood and, and uh, we're doing open mic night, which isn't really traditional for a restaurant. It was actually like hugely successful. Um, we've done nice. it twice now. And uh, just letting the neighborhood know, hey, man, we're here. We're going to be here for a while. So, like, let's get involved and let's have some fun, you know, mm. and, and uh, do what we can do to help each other out. So. Yeah, man. I love this. What I'm hearing from you, man, that you guys give before you expect to get. And uh, that's the way it is with everything. You can't expect to get anything unless you give something first and you got to be there for your community. You got to support them before they support you. Awesome stuff. Uh, What is one book that will make us better people or restaurant operators that we must read one book? Oh, let's see. I just read, um, I actually have it right here. Um, It's a baby book. Actually, my wife would be mad that I don't, don't know the title of it, but I'm not expecting <laughs> we like, won't tell her. Yeah. We won't tell I think her. It's called, uh, uh, Trees are for mobiles or something. Um, True. no, I just Trees. read that. I just read that book. That's why I'm expecting a song in October. So, um, best book that I've ever read, man, it's all those books. It's the Checklist Manifesto, Manifesto. It's the Soul of a Chef. You know, it's uh, it's um, Ferran. I just read Ferran Adria's like uh, bibliography which is which is super stellar it's finding stuff that inspires you it doesn't even necessarily mm. have to be about restaurants or mm-hmm. food it's like it's like some of these books you just dive in to get away from restaurants and food sometimes because you need that escape so find something that's like keeps you up at night that you want to read and, and dive into it so awesome yeah you need that fluent you need that influence you need that outside influence that different perspective sometimes uh i love it and what is one uh technology that you've adopted that's improved the communication of your restaurant, the efficiency of your restaurant, uh, the profitability of your restaurant. Uh, what's one technology you're leveraging that's new? One, one thing, I don't know if it's really, really new, but one thing I've, I've um, dove into as a chef just this last year is uh, this rational oven I have. Um, it's like a touch screen. I can like program it from my phone, like nice. from my house. Um, and like, and who, who's the maker? Sorry. Ra- I missed that. Rationale. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of other technologies like online ordering and all that kind of stuff. And, Who are you using for online ordering? Do you know the technology that's behind uh, that? I don't off the top of my head. You know, Chow Now, Caviar? It might be Chow Now, yeah. It might be okay. Chow Now. We just met with those guys. But um, this Rational Oven is pretty stellar, man. It, uh, you know, I, I have it set to, to – I import recipes into it, actually, which is something I've never, never done, you know, and then, like – you want braised brisket, boom, hit the button. It's like you can walk away overnight and it's done. You know, you want you want whatever. And, and it, it, it takes away some of the mystery for my cooks. Um, as they grow, they can kind of just hit a button that I've already programmed in there and, and it rocks it out. So it's pretty cool. I've only scratched the surface on this on this rationale of it. So um, 
expensive piece of equipment, but I'm used to kind of like, I'm a touchy feely chef, you know, it's done when it's done. There's no real yep. set time. And uh, this is kind of a whole new learning experience. For me, so. Awesome. So if you could go back in time, chef, and give yourself one piece of business advice with all the knowledge you've accumulated and compounded on inside yourself. Uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give yourself hindsight being 2020 hindsight being 2020. Um, don't be afraid to start your own business. I think that's one, one that's one piece of advice that I'm, that I'm lacking on now is I'm, I'm thinking about that now as we speak, what's my next venture. And, um, you know, well, don't be afraid to pull the trigger on that kind of stuff. It's a scary, scary spot to be in. And, and uh, but if that's your passion, do it, man. You know, but at the same time, chef, it takes an army. Yeah. And the best time, the best way to start a business is by developing that army first. Because when you, when you do go out and do your own thing, you're going to have that network. You're going to have the support group and people will, you know, help you out. And you need that support group. You need that, that network to be successful. And you need to spend time building that network because people, they try to go out and they start something and, and they, you know, they, they don't have the support system. So it's never too late, chef. That's a good point. That's a good point. Thanks. I'm trying to, uh, trying to figure that out now. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it'll be uh, another Rock Hill restaurant. Who knows? There we uh, go. We'll there we go. I like it. So uh, what is one question you think should be added to this interview? Is there something we didn't talk about? Is there a question you, you kind of wish you were asked that we could throw in here now to, as a cap? Um, one question that I, one question for you moving forward is, is, uh, is, you know, what, what drives you as, as a restaurateur or a chef? Like what's your, what's your life goal? You know, that's a deep question. Like what do you, why, why? Basically, why have you opened a restaurant? Why are you a chef? Why, you know, what, and what did you expect to get out of it? Like, for example, some people open restaurants because they want to cook and be, mm. you know, they want to be the celebrity chef. Some people open restaurants just because it's another business in their portfolio that they want to they want to gain dividends from, and you know, it really, do, you know, so there's so many different reasons as to why you open a restaurant. Sometimes you open a restaurant. Because there's one person in your support group mm. that's a badass restaurant person, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. I'm curious as to people why I'm curious as to why people get into this business and what the various reasons are. You know? Well, chef, that's a question I usually do ask early on, and thank you for catching me and calling no, maybe, me out because I never did. got maybe. I didn't get a, I didn't get a chance. I, I completely oh, okay. skipped over that. Um, so that's my bad. Uh, so why? What is it? What what what's what's the reason why you get up every morning and do what you do? What drives you? For me, I want to. I want to eventually. I'm an entrepreneur. At least I like to think I am. Um, and I want to. I want to do it, man. I want to take the leap. I want to open up a business. I want to have my support group be involved. And like, I want to. I want to go into business so I can, um, you know, build those teams for myself and mm. for for my family. You know what I mean? And, and leave somewhat of a legacy um, in the world. Hopefully, it'll be something that's open for for a long time. What do you want your legacy to be? I want to be a successful, a successful owner operator, man. That's really what it comes down to. You know, no one in my family owns any type of business that they run. Uh, but I want to be a small business operator of some sort, maybe a large business operator. Who knows? So, um, All right. I want to, I want to have something I can pass on to my children and say, Hey, here's your, you know, whether you sell it or, or work at it, like here it is. You know what I mean? So, oh man. Um, you know, it's gonna happen. I, I know it is. I hope so. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you in a year, and you're gonna tell me your plans. I'm gonna call Moses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> All right, chef. Uh, we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. That's how I found you. Moses Sabina called you out. So who is one person you admire in this industry, an independent restaurant operator that you think would make a great guest mentor for us today. Like you've been. Oh, it's no question. Um, one of my biggest mentors, I talk to him every day on the phone. His name's Craig Hartman. Um, he's the owner of the barbecue exchange in, in Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia. It's been open say six or seven years now. So it's still fairly young. Um, but it's really revolutionized, uh, Virginia barbecue. And um, in actuality, I'll leave you with this: barbecue actually originated in Virginia, and you can start. <laughs> you start your the people in Kansas City probably killed me in Texas, but um, <laughs> you can start your conversation with him with, with that kind of that information. So, all right, yeah. sounds good, yeah. Craig Hartman from Barbecue Exchange. Look out! I'm yeah. coming after you. It would be an honor to get you on the show, and Chef Brooks Tanner. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us as a guest mentor to make us all just a little bit more unstoppable. Thank you, man. You, you, you were a great guest. Thank, you really were. Thank you, dude. It's very inspiring. <laughs> very inspiring, man. I appreciate it. So. Uh, it was it was my pleasure. It really was. Uh, cheers. <laughs> Chef Brooks Tanner crushing it today man wow i loved today's conversation and uh man uh i just listened to this episode at like times three that's what i do sometimes <laughs> to uh get jacked up and if you want to get jacked up if you think getting or just listening to it one time at normal rate is enough to jack you up listen to these things at time three like you get you get seriously uh just energize when you do that. But some of the notes I took just listening to this again, trying to summarize today's conversation. Um, these are some of the bullets I put down building relationships, building teams, uh, having good mentors, being good mentors in being pushed. Uh, I loved how Brooks dove into how his mentor pushed him to take on new roles, to grow as a professional, uh, and to get involved in, if you're not pushing yourself, if you're not living in that area of discomfort, you're not growing. I say it all the time. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> and once you get used to being uncomfortable, man, you're going to see like things like the sky is the limit. I love it. Um, surrounding yourself with excellence. Uh, I mean, there's another thing that came up in today's conversation. Uh, when you are surrounding yourself with incredible people, you're looking at all, at all these incredible people and you want to be the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And I feel like this law is true. And it, it, it applied to Brooks Tanner in his life. Uh, he was seeing all these successful people at this, this uh, college coming in in I don't know if they were professors or just guest speakers or whatever it was, uh, guest chefs coming in. And he wanted to be like that. Uh, there's so much power in surrounding yourself with successful people. That's, that's what this podcast is all about. Man, if you just hit play and listen, you can allow yourself to get influenced by people who just hustle and get it and uh, are just good, genuine, caring people. And you will become the average of the people we're listening to on the show. I love that lesson today. Uh Personal sacrifice is another thing that came up. If you're not failing, you're not growing is another thing that I wrote down. Taking an interest in others and doing it in a way that's genuine and then just having uh, your customers back was another line I love. And, uh, you know, 
I think I'm going to wrap up this thought of just w- what we learned today with how he took what he learned from his mentor. You know, his mentor was uh, at this college was pushing him forward and giving him new responsibilities and not letting him get comfortable just doing one thing. And he did that same exact thing for uh, one of his mentees, uh, the, the kid who is now a baker. And it's our role as mentors to push the people in our organizations. That's how you develop that culture of excellence by pushing your people, by making them get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we need to take what we learned from our mentors and pass that down to the next generation. That's what it's all about. Brooks Tanner is an incredible example of that. And I loved today's conversation. Uh, So many nuggets in this one, guys. Great stuff. Like always, guys, if you're growing from listening to this podcast, if you're finding value in the lessons from these incredible guests I'm having on the show, reach out to me, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I need more people to make an example of. I will get them on the show. We will learn from them together. Or just let me know what your challenges are. I will get an expert on the show to answer the questions you have. I don't have all the answers, but I guarantee you I know somebody who does. After 350 of these interviews, man, my network is extensive. Let's take advantage of it. Let's leverage it. But you have to reach out to me. Again, eric at restaurantunstoppable. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Eric Cacciatore, E-R-I-C-C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E, and on Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. I do respond, maybe not right away, but you will hear back from me in at least a couple days or as maximum, depending on how crazy my life is a week, but I will respond to you. I promise you that. And um, man, uh, great stuff today. Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. And uh, just one more time, a special shout out to uh, the boys over at Shoe Box. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Xavier and Tony, uh, they reached out to me to learn more about the podcast, to uh, be featured on the show. And they're coming on the show. Uh, I think they're going to provide a great value, a great episode. And uh, they asked me, hey, Eric, uh, what can we do to help you? Is how they started the conversation. If you ever want to connect with somebody, ask how you can help them first. And, uh, I, you know, one other lesson too is, uh, if you need help, ask for it, especially if it's being offered. So, uh, this happened, they happened to reach out to me right when I realized I figured out the problem was with my mixer, uh, with the static that you were listening to to today. And, um, you know, I said, I need help getting a new mixer. You guys help me out. And instantly i'm telling you instantly the money was wired and they, they were there for me and they're helping me out and uh, just special thank you uh for those guys for uh, helping keep this podcast high quality uh, again tony and xavier from shoebox we'll be hearing from them soon thank you guys and thank you to jared for keeping the editing coming uh doing a great job jared all right that's it Love you guys so much. Thanks for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.